Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so before we jump into things, let's go ahead and pray. Lord God, I thank you once again for another day. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I ask that you open up our minds and our hearts to receive your word on today. Um, help us continue to just grow and build on this foundation of our biblical knowledge and understanding of how your word is structured and help us just to be more receiving of you so that we may go and be that example for somebody else and to be good stewards of your word so that we may teach it effectively. In Jesus' name I pray, thank God, and amen. Okay, so first thing I got to clarify, I I don't know what I was thinking. I was thinking that once we finish with these Bible arcs uh, in the Old Testament, like, okay, then we'll be in the New Testament. No. So uh, looking over everything today, that's when I realized actually the way that the that Anders structured this, of course, because uh, he's pretty detailed and in-depth about uh, going over Bible structure. What we're actually doing is we're looking at the historical books of the Old Testament. So we're looking at the historical portion of the Old Testament. Then we're going to get into the poetical books. And then finally, the prophetical books. That's what we're going to be doing. So we're still going to be uh, in the Old Testament. So we'll be here uh, for a little while, you know. Um, But that's okay because, you know, like I said, um, I just felt led to do this because I feel like, um, at least for me personally, just could do better um, biblical understanding, knowing, really knowing. my Bible. So it's not a bad thing. Okay. But we are going to be talking about this week the last era of the historical uh, portion of the Bible. I'm sorry, of the Old Testament. And this is the silence era. And all he tells us is that silence era is between the Old and New Testament. This is like a mid middle passage leading into uh, the New Testament. Okay. But this is still in the historical portion of the Old Testament. All right. Um, one of the examples that Andrews gives for this uh, particular era is the story of a lion who... Um, he wanted to make sure, right, that all the other animals knew that he was king, right? He wanted to make that clear. Um, so he goes over to, uh, he doesn't even go to the smaller animals. 
he immediately goes to some of the larger ones and he's making them say like who's the king of the jungle you know they're like well you are you are so he goes to the bear bear's like well you are goes to the tiger asks him the same question and the tiger says you are my lord he's just so proud and haughty and so proud of himself so then he finally gets to the elephant you know he demands you know, the elephant <laughs> tell him you know who's king of the jungle and the elephant proceeds to just beat the mess out of him, <laughs> basically. And after he gets through beating him up, then, you know, the lion is sitting there, you know, looking through the one good eye <laughs> that he can see through, because the other one is just small and shut, right? And so he looks at him and he says, well, you know, if you didn't know the answer, you don't have to get, you know, indignant about it, you know. <laughs> you didn't have to be mean about it if you didn't know the answer and so that's kind of the situation that uh, we have here we have the Pharisees and the Sadducees we have religious leaders in this era who are caught up in what they know right uh, we kind of talked about that a little bit um during the ecclesiastics ecclesiastes bible study about how you had these people who they knew the bible frontwards backwards um some the higher ups uh, i forgot what their exact title was but uh, it got to the point where they had to know the bible like all of it all of the whole entire bible word for word and in three different languages okay so that's just how you know good these people were at least as far as being able to you know quote scripture and all that but when it came to having like actual authority they had none okay they were like that lion who's all proud and haughty like yeah i'm a, I'm a pharisee i'm a sadistee you know whatever and when it came down to it, it's like, yeah, you, you don't have any real substance. You don't have any real authority. You don't have any real power, right? Um, they just pretended to have power. Uh, one of the quotes that I like uh, that Andrew says is, uh, it has been said that some people drink at the fount of knowledge while others only gargle. Um, that in itself is pretty bad, right? Um, you're gargling, but you, you you know you got a little bit of something, a taste of something, but you don't have any real knowledge, okay? Um, because of this, right? They have this kind of sense of entitlement and pride, and it just creates this pattern of hypocrisy, right? Uh, leading to self-destruction. And again, as quoted, uh, this period is one of the more disappointing eras in this nation's history. So in other words, this is probably one of the worst eras that we're going to be looking at. Okay, uh, Disappointing, rather. So, as always, before we do a dive into this era we're going to do a review 
of all the eras that we've looked at. Not really a review review, right? We're just going to go through the ones that we've already uh, looked at before, okay? So first was creation era. Key figure was Adam. Took place in the Garden of Eden. And the summary is that Adam is created by God, but he sins and derails from God's original plan for man. Next up was Patriarch Era. You figure that was Adam, took place in Canaan. And our summary is that Adam is chosen by God to father a people to represent God to the world. Then we had Exodus era. Okay. The figure was Moses, took place in Egypt. Our summary, through Moses, God delivers the Hebrew people uh, from slavery in Egypt and then gives them the law. Remember they were at Mount Sinai? Next up was the Conquest era. Key figure was Joshua. Takes place in back in Canaan, right? City of three names. So it takes place back in Canaan. And our summary is pretty short. Uh, Joshua leads the conquest of the promised land. Joshua leads the conquest of the promised land. And you know what? I just thought about it. You guys probably have a hard time taking all these notes. Um, I'll go back over it again. I'll go back over it again, though. So I'll go through all these, and I'll go back over it again. Okay. Um, we have the Judges era. Key figure was Samson. Took place still in Canaan. And our summary is that Samson and others were chosen as judges govern the people for 400 rebellious years. Okay. Then we have the kingdom era. Our key figure there was David. Canaan is now Israel. So this takes place in Israel. And our summary is that David, the greatest king in the new monarchy, is followed by a succession of mostly unrighteous kings. And God eventually judges Israel for her sin, sending her into exile. Then we had the exile era. Our key figure there was Daniel, took place in Babylonia. Our summary, Daniel gives leadership and encourages faithfulness among the exiles for the next 70 years. Then we had the one we just talked about last week, right, the return era. Our key figure here was Ezra, takes place in what is now Jerusalem, so Canaan hasn't changed, but uh, this is a different city. So takes place in Jerusalem, 
And our summary is that Ezra leads the people back from exile to rebuild Jerusalem. Okay. Actually, let me double check on that. I feel like I just did that one wrong. I want to make sure. I want y'all to know. Yeah, that was right. Y'all the wrong stuff. Okay. And then we have this week's era. Okay. Before we do that, let me go over the, the ones that we covered previously before. So it's quick. You know, make sure you're recording if possible. Um, yeah, because can't really slow down too, too much. <laughs> we got to keep moving. We got a lot to cover. Okay. So again, creation era. Key figure is Adam. Takes place in the Garden of Eden. So creation, Adam, Garden of Eden. Storyline or our summary is that Adam is created by God, but he sins and derails from God's original plan for man. Kind of rhymes a little bit, right? Adam is created by God, but he sins and derails from God's original plan for man. Patriarch era. The key figure is Abraham. Takes place in Canaan. So, patriarch, Abraham, Canaan. Okay. And our summary is that Adam is chosen by God to father a people. Adam is chosen by God to father a people to represent God to the world. Exodus era. He figure is Moses. Takes place in Egypt. Exodus, Moses, Egypt. Our summary, through Moses, God delivers the Hebrew people. Through Moses, God delivers the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt and then gives them the law. Through Moses, God delivers the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt, and then gives them the law. Next up was the conquest era. Key figure was Joshua. Takes place back in Canaan. So, conquest, Joshua, Canaan. Our summary, Joshua leads the conquest of the promised land. Joshua leads the conquest of the promised land. Then we had the Judges era. He figured with Samson. 
takes place still in Canaan. We're still in Canaan in this era. So, Judges, Samson, and Canaan. Our summary, Samson and others were chosen as judges to govern the people for 400 rebellious years. Again, Samson and others were chosen as judges to govern the people for 400 rebellious years. Then we have the kingdom era. Key figure was David, took place in what is now Israel. So now Canaan becomes Israel. Kingdom, David, Israel. A summary, David, the greatest king in the new monarchy. David, the greatest king in the new monarchy is followed by a succession of mostly unrighteous kings and God eventually judges Israel for her sin sending her into exile so David the greatest king in the new monarchy is followed by a succession of mostly unrighteous kings and God eventually judges Israel for her sin sending her into exile Next up was the exile era. Our key figure was Daniel, takes place in Babylonia. Exile, Daniel, Babylonia. Our summary, Daniel gives leadership and encourages faithfulness among the exiles for the next 70 years. Daniel gives leadership and encourages faithfulness among the exiles for the next 70 years. And we had last week's that we talked about. So the return era. He figures Ezra. We have now moved to Jerusalem. So, return Ezra, Jerusalem. And our summary is Ezra leads the people back from exile to rebuild Jerusalem. Ezra leads the people back from exile to rebuild Jerusalem. 
All right. Now, hope you were taking those notes because you are going to get quizzed on this stuff. All right. Now, we are looking at um, this last part of the historical portion, right? We're looking at the historical part of the Old Testament, looking at the historical books of the Old Testament. And yes, we are now in the silence era. Okay. This is still in Jerusalem. And our summary is that the Pharisees and others entomb the Israelites in legalism for the next 400 years. Again, this is the silence era. Key figure is the Pharisees. Takes place in Jerusalem. And our summary the Pharisees and others entomb the Israelites in legalism for the next 400 years. Okay, so we already had 400 rebellious years. Now we got you know, 400 years of legalism, which we're going to get into that. Right? But this is, you know, it's terrible. Okay? Um, and it was because of their legalism, essentially, that they had 400 years of silence uh, between them and the Lord. Okay? But like I said, we'll get into that. All right. So, as always, we have our four... Um, I'll say four moments, like major moments or periods or segments, but our four major moments in each era, like four main things that we look at in each of the eras. So uh, for the silence era, our four moments here in this period of of history is or are uh, the changing guard. The changing guard. That's the first one. Next, we have our political groups. Political groups. Then we have the religious groups. Religious groups. And then finally, uh, the Messiah. Hope. Messianic hope. I feel like I'm going to be saying a lot of words wrong this time around, so please forgive me. Okay. Okay. So, first one, the changing guard. So, this is known as the March of Nations because in this moment in time, this silence era, uh, we have a lot of changes as far as the government, um, like who's in power, who's reigning at this time, right? Now, um, toward the end of the Old Testament, right, uh, Jerusalem was ruled by Persia. 
Remember, because we talked about that in the return era, how uh, they were led, you know, God allowed them to be taken into exile by Babylonia because the Assyrians had taken over the northern kingdom. Babylonia then came in, took over everybody because of those unrighteous kings. Um, then they're kind of in a way given relief through the Persians. They come in and take over everything that Babylonia had, plus they had their territory. Um, and they allow the Israelites to return and have temple worship again, right? Now, okay, we have three new shifts in the wind. So um, they're ruled by Persia, and then Alexander the Great comes in. He defeats the Persians in 333 B.C. And he establishes Greek culture. And the Greek language is a unifying, kind of unifies the country. So um, they have this Greek cultural identity. Everybody pretty much speaks Greek. Okay. This is what kind of binds them together. That is important. Okay, I'd be like, well, why is this history stuff, you know, it's boring, and why does that matter? It matters, because Alexander the Great, okay, most people know that dude from history. You learned about him in your history class at some point. So this, again, solidifies. These are real people. You can go and find this stuff, okay? This is not just words on a page. It is real, okay? These are all real people. Now. Uh, again, keep that in mind about this culture, cultural part. Okay. Now, uh, Alexander dies. His kingdom gets kind of split up into like four parts or so, but the Greek culture uh, or Hellenistic culture is still alive and well. So it still has, you know, a strong influence over the people. Uh, Rome comes in and, you know, they conquer, they kind of take over Roman Empire. Um, they have influence and their culture is introduced, but uh, Greek influence is still pretty strong. Right? So it didn't completely um, mesh over. And who is this calling me? Oh, my goodness. Random number. I'm so sorry, y'all. Robocall. <laughs> There's a robocall in the middle of the thing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so rude. All right. So, um, again, we had from Persia to Greece and now Rome. Okay. Um, and that pretty much sums up our, our changing of the guard, that first moment in history that we have, okay? Now we go into the second moment in time, which is the political groups, okay? And it's pretty short and sweet, but uh, in this particular moment in time, we have our political people, the Maccabean, which, again, I feel like I'm saying it so wrong. It is spelled M-A-C-C-A-B-E- a N S. 
Maccabeans or Maccabeans. That's what literally looks like Maccabeans, but like I said, I, I feel like I'm saying stuff all kinds of wrong in this <laughs> in this uh particular era, so I'm sorry. Um, we have the Maccabees and then the Zealots. Okay. So during these four hundred years there are some militant Jews that tried to revolt against foreign rule. Okay. So again, like I said, these are are political political people. So they're basically fighting against foreign rule and they want to make Jerusalem and the surrounding area of Judea an independent country. So again, you know, these are the, the Maccabees and the Zealots. That's what they were fighting for. Okay. Then we go into our uh our religious groups primarily the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So for me, that was kind of an eye-opener because, you know, I'm thinking, okay, they didn't pop up until um, the New Testament, right? Uh, but actually, we are introduced to them much earlier than that. We're introduced to them before the New Testament, right? So there were a few different, you know, various parties at that time, but the two main ones, uh, the two primary ones in Jerusalem were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay. However, neither one um, offers any guidance in true spirituality, uh, <laughs> as Anders puts it, because um, they're basically caught up in appearances, and they're not really looking at the overall person, right? What's going on, on the inside? So these people, like that lion, you could sprout off all these things, and you want to tell people what you, you know, how holy you are and what you do and all that stuff, but on the inside, you are so contaminated, and your heart is so black that you really don't have any kind of standing, right? So that's what's going on here. Uh, the Pharisees are the more conservative group, the more conservative religious group. And um, they, I'm quoting from, from Anders, they foster separation between themselves and secular society. Okay. Sadducees are more viewed as more liberal. Um, they are the party of the Jerusalem aristocracy and they use their wealth and influence to keep the political waters calm. So as far as I see it, uh there really literally is nothing new under the sun. We still have people like this today right you have those those people who are like oh i don't associate with them you know but you're still doing a lot of wickedness and stuff behind closed doors then you have uh the sadducees right the sadducees who you know 
they have influence in the political arena, right? They have money and all that jazz. But again, they're caught up in legalism. Somebody might be like, what's legalism? Uh, I feel like legalism is something that is genuinely easy to get tangled up in, uh, especially as a new believer. At least it was for me. Um, You come to Christ, you give your life to Christ, everything's great, you start getting your word right, and he starts speaking to you on some things that need to change or things that um, need to be done in your life. Okay? But it's like we go a step too far. (laughs) And instead of implementing that change first at home, you want to tell everybody else what they need to do, um, and you have not implemented it yourself, right? Um, I remember I was caught up, you know, seeing people doing all kinds of crazy stuff or saying crazy stuff, and it's like, oh, oh my goodness, because you literally, you really become a new creation, right? Everything is is new, and so you're just like, oh man, you know, this God thing is just amazing. Like Jesus is awesome, you know, and you just want to just be in his presence. And so the minute that you get it reintroduced back into, you know, society, right, um, being in the world, um, I don't know, it's like a shock. It's almost like you forget, like, yeah, you used to you used to swear, you used to tell those jokes, you used to laugh at those raunchy jokes, you used to watch those shows, you used to listen to that music. Used to partake in those activities, whatever those activities, quote unquote, may be. You know, you you used to be that person. That was you. You know, and so it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you know they did that, or you know, you're holding people to the letter. Like, yeah, you know, you're supposed to do this and this and this, and but again, at home, you're not really, you know, doing that yourself. Right, or you're thinking that, well, I go to church every Sunday and I do this Bible study lesson every Thursday and I help the children at the the YMCA. You know, you're listing all these things that you do and you think your works or, you know, your righteousness is found in your works and it's not. It's a heart issue, right? Um if you are to truly have a desire to draw closer to God, then it's more than just being able to memorize some scriptures. It's, yeah, at some point, yeah, you need to be able to, to memorize more than just that first verse that you learned when you came to Christ. Like, you should know something. You know, you should be adding on to your biblical knowledge, right? But if all you're doing, like we said, gargling at that fountain, but you're not drinking it, you're gargling at the fountain, but you're not drinking it. You you kind of like, oh, I got, you know, I have my Bible, but I don't really, you know, you're not engaging God when you read your Bible. Um, you pray, but you're not really having a conversation with God when you pray. Like, you're not really listening for his voice and his instructions. Um, you know, you, you're a hearer of the word, but you're not a doer. That's legalism. Okay? So just to, you know, keep and make it clear, right? They were caught up in appearances, or as Anders 
puts it in this book, uh, they were focused on external adherence to the rules, right? Promoting a religious legalism of external adherence to the rules while overlooking inner motivations and attitudes. Why do you go to church? Do you go to church just to say that you went so that you can check it off your checklist? Or are you coming with an expectation to hear a word from God? You come and ready to take notes so that you can hear from God. You review the notes when you get home so that you can make sure, you know, that you're clear about what you heard from God. Right? Why do you go to, to Bible study? Or in this case, why do you listen to Bible study? Are you listening to Bible study just so you can say that you did it? Or are you actually seeking to better yourself, to to further your knowledge? Right? expand on some things, to get that refuel, refuel to carry through to the next week, to the end of the week. Um, you know, why do you pray? Do you pray just to say that you did it? Are you praying to really have that real connection and fellowship with God? Why are you fasting? Are you fasting just to say that you fasted? <laughs> you know, 40 days? Fast, so you could say that you, man, I did, you know, I did a 40-day fast, um, 40 days, 40 nights, Jesus fast. I don't know. Y- y'all know they, they had all these different fasts and stuff. Um, the Daniel fast and all that, I don't know. But <laughs> are you doing it just to say that you did it? It's better just to have a, a three-day fast you know, and truly be in the presence of God, like really taking that time out to just spend that time with him, like a real fast, okay, where he's like, hey, I need you to fast. Okay, Lord, and you come to him, and you're just, you know, you might have a day where you literally just sitting there, just being still for an hour in silence. I've had that happen, so. You know, but then the minute you come up out of it, like literally, I remember I, I was in college, and I just I was in the back room, just sitting there really still. And every time I was like, okay, but Lord, like, what, so I'm, I'm just really sitting here. And he was like, shh, be quiet, be still. You know, seek me, seek my face right now. I want you to concentrate on seeking my face and being still, and being quiet, and listening for my voice. It was like, okay, God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, doing that, and I don't know, like, after I came up out of that, I literally remember I went to go to the restroom, and it was like all of a sudden, like, I almost didn't recognize myself because there was this glow about me. Just from sitting there, Spending time with him, and it was like, wow, I, I don't know, it was weird. Like, I feel like I look different. I mean, I'm not different, but I I kind of look and I feel different. I just felt really great that day, like just light as air, you know, just from being in the presence of God. It, it was fulfilling, right? So why are you doing these things? What is your motivation for doing them? Is your motivation to be seen? Just to, you know, sprout off what you do, or is do you really have a true heart for God, and you like, God, I want to do this for you because I love you. 
because I said I want to serve you because you mean everything to me. So that's why I'm doing it, right? So it's a it's a heart thing. It's not all about, you know, what you do, but how you do. I mean, you got to be doing something. Because space without works is dead. Um, but, yeah, like, always look at that, like, why are you doing this? Are you really doing this for the Lord, or are you trying to do it for yourself? Um, it's something to consider, right? So, anyways, that was a long segment. <laughs> Segue, right? But, yes, we have our two religious groups, right? And so Pharisees and Sadducees. So they're kind of, in a way, opposing each other, right? Because, like I said, the Pharisees were kind of seen as orthodox and conservative. The Sadducees were a little, they were a little more lenient, right, liberal. Um, Both of them had a ruling board called the Sanhedrin, which we kind of talked about that, too, uh, when we did the Ecclesiastes study, kind of talked about the Sanhedrin. But it's made up basically of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. However, like I said, they kind of oppose each other a bit. So they didn't really have that much in common uh, until Jesus came on the scene. And then it was like, oh, we got to get rid of this dude. <laughs> they had like a deep, deep hatred for uh, Jesus Christ. Okay. But that will come much, much later. Right. But just. You know, remember that. Okay. Then finally, we have the Messianic hope. Um, and this is when we have the expectation of a Savior. Okay. So the Messiah or the Savior is, of course, you know, Jesus Christ. But he's prophesied about throughout the Old Testament. Um you know, someone is going to come and save them, save the Jews. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Um, some feel that, and this is just in you know, this particular part, right? Um, some felt that they needed a spiritual salvation. And others were just looking for a political salvation. Okay. <laughs> So some were like, man, we need we need this freedom spiritually. I feel lost out here. Whereas some were looking for that political point, like, man, this leader is tripping. He is taxing us. Um, I ain't down for that. I'm not down for this, you know, Roman Empire thing. Like, man, you know, can somebody come and just, t- you know, remove this guy? Like, when is the Savior coming? When is he going to free us from all this? Right? Both people, both we're looking for that freedom. Again, nothing new under the sun. Because <laughs> um, it's kind of common, I would say, to what's going on to our current climate today. Some people looking for a spiritual salvation and some people looking for a political salvation. Okay. Now, uh, for that reason, for that reason, um, this expectation and hope for the Savior, it is very, very strong during these 400 years, okay? And uh, particular events that occur 
in a way prepares it starts like to prepare the path for the Messiah. And this is why Anders gives us our three reasons for this. So the first is that um this particular part of the world they now have a common language and a common culture. Okay. Which facilitates the spread of a Masonic I really feel like I'm saying that word so wrong. Um, a message for the Messiah, okay? Um, the reason why that's important, right? If I, well, of course I speak English, but let's say I'm not an English speaker. Let's say I am a Spanish speaker and there's someone who's a French speaker and we kind of, you know, dwell in the same country. If we both know English, right, I don't know French, and they don't know Spanish, but we both know English, so we can communicate, right? Um, because they have this common language and they have a common culture, right? Oh, maybe we're both here in the United States or something. They have a kind of common, you know, ground, common tradition. In this case, they all had um, a common language, which was Greek. They are all pretty much of Greek culture, okay? So it makes it easier to kind of connect with someone and be able to communicate with them, okay? You don't have that language barrier and you don't have a cultural barrier so much, okay? The next thing, uh, the second reason for this is that the Roman Empire basically established um, a road system, travel by sea, uh, and uh, a common government. So Roman citizens had a lot of privilege. Um, And for that reason alone, that meant that they could pretty much go anywhere, okay? Uh, The first person that comes to mind is Paul. All the traveling that he did, right? But even before Paul, you know, the fact that you have, again, you have all these things that established, so now you can pretty much go wherever you want to. Whereas before, if you kind of read through, uh, you know, the earlier parts of the Old Testament, you had different territories. So you could kind of stay within your territory, but if you try to venture into somebody else's territory, that might be a problem, Right? Uh, whereas now, because of the Roman Empire, they pretty much dominated so much, uh, they could go wherever they please. Okay. Uh, the last one is that the Jews uh, were suffering from religious persecution and political humiliation. And this caused, you know, brought about a widespread hope and expectation um, that a Savior exists, right? This waiting or a savior. And again, as we notice from the return era, right, sometimes it takes having to go through those harsh uh, seasons or storms or whatever. It takes having to, you know, God having to just, you know, let it happen in order for us to kind of sit down and finally start paying attention and seeking his face. Because it seems like when things are great, you know, you get to the point, you, you really forget like no, it ain't it ain't you. It's God making this happen, you know. 
and you you don't really see him as much. But when you're going through, it's like, whoo, God, where you at? You still there, Jesus? Hey, 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 need you right now. You know, <laughs> like, it takes that sometimes, okay? So all of that, people who are suffering and need, uh, again, we got this established system set up so they can pretty much travel, and now they can go across the seas. Um, and there's a common language, right? Okay, you speak this language, you speak this language, but we both know Greek. So hey, let's go. We can we can communicate now. Okay. So all of those things make it possible uh, for the spreading of this message of hope of a Messiah. Okay. Again, just kind of preparing, um, preparing for the, the coming of Christ. Okay. All righty. Hold on a second. Get a little situated. All right. Now, uh, we are going to do quick review. So, again, our four moments, major moments in this era, the silence era, are the changing guard, right, where we had uh, the March of Nations, which was uh, the passing down or kind of changing of the government. So from the Persians to the Grecians and then finally Romans, right? We had our political group, political groups, sorry, uh, Maccabeans, maybe, and the Zealots. We had our religious groups, which was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then finally, the Messianic hope, right, when we have expectation of a Savior. And again, this is the silence era. Our key figure is the Pharisees. takes place in Jerusalem. Okay, so the Pharisees and others entombed the Israelites in legalism for the next 400 years. They entomb and case. Right. The next 400 years. And those are the nine arcs of our Bible history in the Old Testament. Wow, we did it. <laughs> we did it. Woo-woo! So, next time around, um, like I said, we're going to do a quick, like a, a give y'all a quiz, something. What I might do is, um, I just do a quiz on the on the phone for next week, because I really do, it's a lot of stuff, so I feel like it's necessary every now and then to just stop and review, refresh. It's necessary to do that. Like, I'll be honest, I hate reviewing. Um, even I'm studying two languages and I, I hate reviewing, but if I don't review, it's like, oh, I know it. Now I'm like the Pharisees. Oh, I know it. I got this. You know, but you slacking. You know, <laughs> like when the real test comes, you can't even respond. 
you know, Jesus showed up, they couldn't even recognize him. Okay, so let's, let's not do that. Let's not have that Pharisee, you know, essentially mentality where you're going through the motions of stuff that you don't actually really know anything. Don't be that person, okay? We're not going to be that. We ju- we're just not going to be that in life. Um, so I'll have some, you know, just a quick quiz. Uh, it won't be that long. And then, um, yeah, we'll go into the next portion, which is the poetical books. There's only five of them, so there you go. You might want to remember that, because that's going to be on the test, too. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, y'all. So, yeah, that that is it for this week. Um, like I said, we we have covered a lot. We've got some history down now. Okay. Um, things are changing. Certain degree, but yeah. Um, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, I'm learning a lot. I know I keep saying that, but I really am learning a lot. Hope you guys are learning some things too. And furthering your understanding of the Bible. And again, uh, remember to think big when you are reading your Bible now. And again, these are real people. This is history, not just a story. This is actual real history. Okay. And it's still relevant today. All right. So I hope you guys have a great weekend. Let's go ahead and pray out. Um, Lord God, I thank you once again uh, just for another study. I thank you for another lesson. I thank you for another day. I pray that you continue to just open up our minds and increase our desire to know more of you. Uh, Help us do that heart check. Remind us why we should be doing the things that we're doing in your name that is for you and not for ourselves. And, Lord God, I I thank you for being who you are. I pray that you just continue to cover each and every single one of us. Um, You have not left us. You have not deserted us in this season, God. You are still walking us through this season. You are going to get all the glory. We are not going to be the same, God. And, Lord, I I thank you and I give you all the praise. In Jesus' name I pray, thank God, and amen. All right, y'all. Take care and God bless. Be ready for that quiz. <laughs> Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.